to Spreading the Good Stuff, a podcast for regional women who want to thrive in their work, wellness, family and community. We share stories of triumph, challenge, growth and change in business and in life and offer helpful insights and advice to empower you to live your best life, however that looks for you. Welcome back to Spreading the Good Stuff. I'm Christy O'Brien. For the month of October, we're proud to be hosting this special four-part series of episodes as part of the 2020 New South Wales Small Business Month Festival in partnership with the New South Wales Government and Murray River Council. Before we get started with today's conversation, we'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land on which we meet and chat today and pay our respects to their elders past, present and future. We'd like to extend that respect to Aboriginal peoples listening in today. So today um, we're chatting with two small businesses based in the Murray River Council and and chat with them about how they've had to adapt very quickly and respond to the impacts of COVID-19, which for many um, was pretty much overnight for most businesses. So first of all, we're chatting with um, Zoe Crump from the Art of Zoe Photography based in Mathara. Welcome, Zoe. Hi, Christy. How are you going? Good. Thank you again for joining us today. We might just get straight into it and talk about your business, um, perhaps a little bit of history, um, when you started, what you do and um, and what that looks like for you on, on a normal daily or weekly basis. No worries. So I'm a photographer and have, I think I shot my wedding about, first wedding about 10 years ago. So um most weekends in February, March, April, October and November are usually booked up every weekend um, with weddings. But uh, at the start of this year in March, I had a wedding for the first time for the start of March and then there was talk of restrictions coming in and you know, things happening and we were all like, oh, yeah, it won't, won't happen to us because, you know, we're safe in the country. <laughs> and then I had a wedding book the following weekend and the restrictions started going down to like 50 people, then 20 people. So it pretty much just got postponed. And then the phone just started ringing of, oh, postponing our wedding, our wedding. <laughs> and it just went on and on and on. And I think I'm up to now, some weddings have been postponed like four times. So, um, yeah, it was a bit, you know, business just stopped, stopped. really. How many the weddings did ringing, you but for the wrong yeah. reason. How many weddings did you have booked and how many did you lose uh, essentially overnight, roughly? Uh, I actually haven't counted, but it'd probably be at least 10 or more. Yep. Up until like, so I had actually two weddings on the weekend just gone. So they were just very small family dinners as such with like 20 people. So, And they were your first two back since March? Yes, since March, since I think it was the 8th of March. Wow, so, that would have been pretty yeah. special for everyone involved. Yeah, so it was pretty exciting. My first wedding back was 140 k's north of Hay. So I think I saw the pictures. That looked amazing. Beautiful yes, outback beautiful. kind of setting. Yeah. yeah. So how wonderful. Much. Just nice and isolated. Yeah, well, you would have felt quite safe, I imagine. Yeah. <laughs> and um, no face no face masks involved out there. 
No, no, nothing out there. Just a few flies pretty much. Um, <laughs> so I also do take a lot of preschool photos as well. So yep. obviously they all got postponed. And then I, because I live in New South Wales, I had some that I do in like Rochester and Leechville, but I couldn't do them obviously because of the border restrictions. So they stopped as well and family photos stopped. And so I kind of not one to sit around and do nothing. So I saw online um, my a friend that I follow from Gippsland, she started up um, taking photos at people's front gates. And I was like, oh, yeah, that could be something to to do so I just messaged her and I asked her a few questions about what she was doing she said oh I just saw it in America um, people were going to people's front door taking a photo from a safe distance and then moving on I'm like oh I'll just pop that online and see if anybody's interested so I just put a post on my Facebook page and and asked, you know, is anybody interested in having their photo taken? And people started messaging me. So then I had to sort of section it into towns because, you know, I'd say, oh, I'm available this day. And then all these messages started coming and I was like, oh, um, <laughs> I'm not sure if I can make it around all those people. So because it kind of I went just nuts, didn't it, for you? Like when yeah, you first put it, it out there, Zoe, it went really nuts, didn't it? Yeah, sort of like people were at home, they had nothing to do. You know, often people postpone family photos all the time because they're like, oh, my husband's working or the kids are playing sport or, you know, there's always a variety of reasons that they can't do them. Yeah. So um, like in Denny, I just said, you know, I'd be in East Denny between three and four and, just sort of sectioned off times but at the start I had to find out like where all these addresses were and I had to map it all out by hand and I was like oh my god this is too hard and then I found an app that a delivery oh, driver uses so oh, wow. you just pop all the addresses in and it just oh, lists great. them in order so that was that was easy in the I'll end. have to mention that app in the show notes for people who ever want to you know tackle something similar. yeah what was it called so it was called Road Warrior. That's awesome. So obviously um, thinking on your feet and, and adapting pretty quickly, like how much did that help fill the gap? I know that, um, you know, as you said, people were at home and this was in first lockdown when obviously you could still get over the border. So you were obviously covering yeah, so, and New so South. Yeah, so none of those, those issues sort of were in place at that time. Like it was no dramas that we could to could go over the border or not nothing was a problem there and I actually rang the police and said you know am I allowed to go to people's houses I'm not going into their house I literally stand pretty much sometimes I was in on the nature strip and I yeah. just toot my horn they'd be ready standing at the gate I'd wave to them <laughs> take their picture and drive off so yeah the police said that's fine you're you know, you're working because yes. one of the reasons were that you were had to leave home for work, so that wasn't an issue. And so people then had the option to purchase a print or the high res file. Yes. So that was all, you know, delivered online and stuff. So 
And I know that you charged a minimal fee, you know, for, for that, but how, how far did this concept, um, the front door concept, go to kind of replacing income you may have lost yeah, from weddings? Or was it just to kind of keep you busy doing it just, your craft? Initially it was just to keep me busy, but um, it did generate revenue as well. So, yeah, yeah. like it was fine and, yeah, it was very handy really but because there was nothing yeah. else happening. And so when you said all your weddings were cancelled, well, postponed, like did you, did you, were you kind of um, comforted that, you know, weddings would come back? Like did you, you know, did you always yeah, feel like, okay, I, we'll have You know, I had off. one wedding that was in, supposed to be in March and she postponed to September and I kind of thought, oh, maybe that's a little bit early but, you know, it should be fine by then. But um, so they could have went ahead, but they actually lived in Victoria and they were getting married in New South Wales. So that's where the issues yes. came across then. And, you know, I had on Saturday the brides, her two best friends lived in Bendigo, so they couldn't come to New South Wales and her brother lived yeah. in Brisbane. So Very tricky. there was those, yeah. So they pretty much had like four cameras set up in the church. And oh, it really? So I think they said there was a hundred and... 37 people from around the world watching oh, um, wow. their wedding. So, yeah, that was pretty special. And all the groom's family were from England. So oh, wow. um, none of his family could be there. And being very involved in the wedding industry, like how long do you think it might take? Or like, do you see weddings, you know, going back to some sort of normal in the next six months? Or do you think it's going to take a long yeah, time? Yeah, I think they will be. But I think a lot of people, there will be a change in the size of weddings like people are now just saying, oh, we might just have our immediate family yep. and have very small intimate dinners. Yes. And a lot of people are saying, oh, you know, but I might have a big party next year, but I really don't think that will happen because I think people's lives move on. Yes. You know, that's happened. They've been married and they've moved on to something else, in, you know, in their life rather than – it's almost yes. like funerals. Like I don't think people are then going to have another big – yeah, another wake in 12 months time or yes yeah can I ask um Zoe just you talked about the app that you use to kind of you know find all the addresses and and obviously you use social media to sort of get the word out there what other tools or like what what else did you use to actually sort of put this into action <laughs> I pretty much just um put a post on my Facebook page had my pen and paper out <laughs> <laughs> and I just had you know you had to have your details of this is your address what section you know I had sections of towns in just you know groups please write what section um your name your phone number and your address and then I literally just wrote all those down and once I got to like a limit that I thought yes was achievable in that hour I would yep. just say sorry that that's it for that day I can't fit any more in and then I would type those addresses into the app and it would sort them in order. So oh, wow. That's that was handy. that was very handy. I really don't think I would have been able to do the amount that I did if I didn't have that app because it was so time consuming of looking on Google Maps trying to work out where yeah, people's I can houses. And, and was it actually like, did it fill up a lot of your time? Like, I mean, you've obviously got um, a little one in tow. Like, was it yes, hard to I kind have- of six-month-old baby so Wally actually came with me I think <laughs> out of 680 families that I visited wow I reckon he 
came to 630 of them. So oh, that's he was very good. So that's such Billy, a huge my, number. Yeah, two, my two-year-old, he actually stayed home most of the time because he learned to take his seatbelt off and get yeah, out of the not- car each place I pulled up. So that was a bit tricky. <laughs> Not super handy. And obviously the word really spread. And I, I know I saw um, some articles in the Weekly Times. Were you on the front of the Weekly Times? Or? Uh, no, so there was um, the Land newspaper. Yes. Um, the Outback magazine. Yep. Uh, the Kahuna, oh, no, the Barron Bridge newspaper. Yep. Um, the Grazier magazine. Um. And then just the local papers like the River and the Pastoral Times. And did you put it out there to all those um, publications or did they find you because of the, the I suppose, the online presence that you, you had and people sharing their images? So a few people, um, so like the local papers just contacted me and then the Land and the Grazier magazine and the Outback magazine, I kind of just sent them an inbox on Instagram and said, you know, this is a rural project because there was a lot of farms that I did cover. Yes, yes. Um, and I really I just, love the way that you shifted from, like, families and farms to then the, the, the older people. Did you want to talk a, a yeah. bit about that? So when I was driving to Hay, I was, I'd visited a few farms that had older kind of families at them and I was like, oh, there's lots of newborn photographers and people that specialise in kids, but there's nobody out there that really specialises in the older generation. And they've got so much character and I could photograph old people all day. Like they're, yeah, that's you know, wonderful. Yeah. have a chat with them. So I was, when I left a few farms, I was kind of driving out there in the middle of nowhere and thinking, um, you know, I might just put it out there that, because they they did say, you know, they're going to leave the farm and other family members will take over. But you sort of lose that, what they got up to on the farm. So, you know, when I pulled up at one farm, the grandpa's walking in with his hat full of mushrooms that he'd been out to pick and, you oh, know, and great. they had little things around the farm that they talked about. You know, we built this shed in 1960-something and, yeah, yeah. so... That kind of stopped a little bit when the second restrictions came in. I sort of was a bit hesitant then of mm. of going into older people's houses yep. um, for obvious reasons. Um, I didn't want to be the one that if I yeah. had something. <laughs> so yeah, I think once, um, once things settle down again, I will promote that again. That's great. And because that was it kind makes- of an unex- unexpected kind of um yeah, like down that yeah memory lane for the older the older people. That was yeah, wasn't something that you went looking for. It just sort of happened. Not at all. I just sort of thought, oh yeah, we'll that's great. We'll see what what happens here. And as you said, it's probably an area that's pretty untapped. You know, like it's something that and and yeah, as there's that, a lot of photographers that I know specialising kids and maternity and but nothing. It's sort of at the other end of life. And do you think that COVID has certainly um, helped you look at other avenues or, as you said, it was a bit of a happy happy accident that, that happened. But, you know, I think when when businesses go through these sorts of challenges, they do look at how else they can, they can adapt, I suppose. Yeah, that's right. I sort of was like, oh, well, you know, lots of people were like, oh, well, that, that's it. You can't shoot weddings. And I'm like, oh, well, there's always something else that you can do. So, um just so happened that I didn't 
think that the project would be that popular. So, yeah, it kind well of done. someone explained it to me. They're kind of like, well, once one person had it had a picture taken, it was sort of became a thing. Oh, well, they're having that done, so yeah. I'll it was get contagious. <laughs> yeah, almost like yeah. So. No, and I also fun. think too, it was a great opportunity for so many families who had wanted to get around to doing that family photo and never got around to it, but actually had the time to just think about it and coordinate yeah, that's it, right. as you said. And a lot of people I went to, you know, they had kids that were eight or nine and said, this is the first family photo we've ever had. So, yeah, wow. Um, so, Zoe, based on your experience um, during COVID and adapting really quickly, obviously thinking on your feet and, and pivoting when you sort of, um, you know, had to find something to do, both, I suppose, for, for your work, but also just to keep busy, as, as you were saying, it was such uncertain times. Uh, do you have any advice or tips to sort of businesses to um, how, how to cope in, in a situation um, like this? It's so difficult because it was so unknown to other people and, to everyone really because not often you're just told overnight that's it your business is shut down um I think talk to other people and you know look you know obviously around the world of what's happening with other people and social media is a great way to communicate with people and find new ideas so I think yeah it was really tricky because it was super unknown to everyone so everybody was in the same boat but, you know, all other businesses seem to have adapted to, you know, you could buy bread and milk at the drive through bottle and Yes, true, very true. And meals and, yeah, so I think yeah, everybody I think just, yeah, worked together great. and helped each other. And even just having that, as you said, like just looking outside at what other people are doing and having that bravery to sort of, you know, get on the phone and touch base with someone doing something that yeah, you think might right. work, you know, because I think, there is that sort of, you know, we're all in this together and I know it sounds cliche, but I think that if you do look outside and um, and like look to see what other people are doing and getting, you know, advice and tips from other people, just as, as you know, as simple as just finding that that, that roadmap kind of app, you know, like because there are lots yeah, of little things right. like and you're, you're, you're you know, adapting to what you did. Obviously, logistically it was really challenging for you. So just yeah, that's finding right. Those- Nobody ever would have thought, oh, the logistics of it would have been the biggest um, issue. Yeah, so good on you. And look, what about the future? Have Have you got a few weddings coming up other than the two you just had? Like, how's the schedule looking in the next six months? Yeah, so I've got another two this weekend. Right. And then um, we're just assessing sort of what what's happening with the other one because they're quite large weddings. Yes. So, and, you know, obviously Victorian weddings are... Still, Still unknown. Yeah. Unknown at the moment. Hopefully so it's lucky that we live this side of the border at the moment. Yeah, and a fair bit of your work, I mean, you're based in Murray River Council at Mathara, but a fair bit of your work is, is mainly north of the border, would you say, Zoe? Uh, it, it varies at times. Like sometimes I, all of my weddings for one season would be in Echuca. Yes. Um, but, yeah, it just happened to be lucky this time that I did have quite a few weddings north so yeah that was very very handy well thank you so much for chatting with us today and well done on you know pivoting your business so quickly and doing something that was you know truly amazing for all the people that you you know um shared your skill with and and took photos of families because I know that they will enjoy those photos forever yeah and and it's something that I think 
families will look back on and go, oh, remember, you know, we were locked up and <laughs> definitely, yeah. We had so, well done. Well, thank you again, and good luck with the rest of the wedding season. Hopefully, it'll be it'll be a busy one, and um, hopefully, yeah. Thank you. We'll chat again soon. Thanks so much, Zoe. In this second part of today's episode, we're going to be chatting to Julianne Daly from the Border Inn in Noema, who is um, owner, family member, um, boss lady at the Border Inn. Welcome, Jules. Hi, Christy. How are you? Good. Thank you for um, chatting to us today. Before we get started and talk about how the Border Inn has um, kind of coped, I suppose, with the challenges of COVID-19, we might just get you to talk about the business and how long you've been involved and, and just about, you know, the Border Inn as an institution, essentially, in Moema. Okay, so my um, parents um, moved to Echuca, Moama, uh, 32 years ago. And for the past 30 years, um, we've been at the Border Inn. So um, in that time, I first started working at the Border when I was 22, 23. So I always make the joke that I've watched everyone in Moama uh, grow up, some people not grow up but they still come <laughs> become grandparents. Um, yeah, so there's not really very much we've missed happening in Moama over, over the last 30 years, but it's good and we love it and it's still our family business. Um, and I know for so many, Jules, too, sorry to interrupt, but, you know, like for that kind of, you know, coming of age period, like I know for myself as an 18-year-old, I came into Noema from a farm out at Cordwell and learnt to pour a beer at the Border Inn with your darling dad and, and JB, your uncle. And, you know, for me, that sort of started a career in hospitality that, you know, paid for overseas trips and just sort of, you know, it gave me the ability to, to just, you know, talk to people and, you know, and, and learn skills that I've sort of still got today. So I know that the Border Inn um, holds that, you know, that really special place for a lot of people. So um, I just wanted to, start to to say that. So very special place in my heart. And I know for a lot of people in, in the area as well. Yeah, which is what most your local pubs in most little towns are. And of course, we've watched Moama turn from a little town um, into a quite a big, busy town and getting busier all the time. Uh, there's a lot of um, like it's a terrific town, especially with the new bridge coming over. I think that it will be um, even more exciting for everyone when they stop um, queuing on our bridge, when the closure <laughs> has been bad enough. It was busy enough before that, but there's lots of exciting things happening in Moama as well. Um, I think the council's done a fantastic job and it's a great place to live. Um, so, and you're right, we've employed a lot of people over the years. There's not very many um, times you go out somewhere where someone doesn't go. They either have worked there and I've forgotten because they weren't there for very long, or even their parents under John Murphy have gone. Um, I used to work at the Border Inn even before our time. So, yeah, it's good. And we've still got our local kids working there. So, Which is fabulous. Yeah. So, Julianne, tell us what happens when the pub when it stops overnight for me you mean yeah well for, for everyone for, for the business like when COVID hit like you know so many businesses things changed overnight essentially yeah which it did and it was a little bit too quick so I think everyone was in shock and 
that first week when uh, Scott Morrison announced that um, this was going to affect our country and we got limited. So we had to take some stools out and it was coming and everyone started to say that, you know, we were going to shut down. Um, then that Monday morning came when we had to pack up the pub and it was, um, it was such a strange feeling and I can remember having that feeling uh, and feeling sorry for people that maybe lost their farms or have lost their businesses through other ways that it would be so devastating and the only thing that kind of kept us okay was the fact that everyone was doing it at the same time. But it was probably for the first time that feeling that uh, we weren't really sure what we were going to do or where, how this was going to end. Um, yeah, it was a really strange time, upsetting for a lot of people. Um, when you're in the hotel too, a lot of people come to the pub because they like to see people. Mm. And all of a sudden that gets taken away from them. Um, so all of a sudden, also they were stuck at home, like no one was allowed to go anywhere. Um, it was it was a worry. I, I was concerned about our staff. I didn't know what was going to happen to a lot of them. We didn't know whether it was going to be for two months or whether at the time they said September. Mm. So we just crossed our fingers and thought, can we get through two months of not operating? So that's when we, that first week, we traded and we decided to do takeaway because we were lucky enough to be able to keep the bottle shop open. So you did um, that straight away pretty much? away because we could keep the bottle shop open so we thought well that's important because at least we can keep a little bit of something ticking over and I suppose we had uh, two temporary visa chefs at the time that if they couldn't get Centrelink um, job keeper job seeker we kind of didn't have much choice. We thought we'll just see if we can do enough food to keep um, these guys that don't have any income employed. Mm -hmm. So, of course, the first two weeks was a disaster because we were going backwards. Like, you don't mm. make a lot of money out of food. and That wasn't good at all. And then Scott Morrison announced that we could have the JobKeeper and that gave everyone a little bit of hope. So... Um, lost a lot of money that first two weeks. And then once the JobKeeper decision came in and we thought, well, we'll, we'll go with that, um, that made it a little bit easier. So that was the job. That, that was our two months of shutdown. Yep. Turned off everything, turned off every air conditioner. Thank goodness it wasn't cold. We didn't need the heaters on because our staff were turning up to answer the phones. And it was cold and there was nothing going on. And all, that's all they were doing was running the food out to the bottle shop for people. But the locals gave us amazing support. Like, it was really good. I think people at the time were excited just to be able to actually go for a drive in their car and pick up their takeaway food. Definitely, yeah. And just from that welfare point of view, I know that, you know, in, in the second lockdown particularly, there's been a lot of talk about, you know, people's well-being. And, you know, we were talking before we started recording about, you know, it might be tough here at times waiting on the bridge or, you know, having challenges, but, you know, people living in Melbourne still um, today, you know, in lockdown and can't, can't go more than five Ks from their home um, and they can't leave for more than two hours. So you know, like the challenges of that, but just the well-being and, and one of the first people that I thought of when the pubs were shut 
were the regulars, Jules, like the people that go to the pub every day and it's part of their life and they might just have a couple of, you know, ponies of, you know, whatever it is they drink or seven ounce and, and then they go home again. Like, what did they do during this time? And like, that must have been terrible thinking about. That was someone like my dad who um, at two o'clock every day would hop in his car and he would drive down or scooter down to the pub at two o'clock. He would have four beers just see what was going on, which my mum loved that as well because that was her two hours where she was home alone and be able to do whatever she wanted. That, that was his break. There's a lot of people like that. It's just what they do. Um, just to catch up on what's happening in town, if there's anything going on. So all of a sudden, and mum and dad are probably a really good example of just sitting there and nowhere to go, nowhere to escape, particularly mm -hmm. for the older people. Definitely. Um, it, yeah, it was really important for the young ones too, which, of course, um, it was. it's tough on the young ones when they couldn't go out anywhere and they couldn't even catch up with their friends. But for the older community, um, it's been really tough. Um, and, yeah, I think about the Melbourne people still all the time now all the things that people are going through that until you you know get the opportunity to talk to other people which are with which they're not but for example I've got a sister that's had a new grandchild and mm. um, she hasn't seen that baby and it's her son so um Alan she um her mum's in Ballarat and that baby's now four months old and there's yeah. no support, no support, no friendships. And um, she hasn't even seen yeah. the baby, her mum. So there's so many stories. Yeah. Yeah, it's unfathomable. Jules, I might just touch on some of the things that you put in place. Like, you know, obviously you said you started doing takeaway um, straight away and, and you kind of learnt a bit of trial and error. But were there things that you kind of... Um, tools that you use like you know was it just as you said like your staff there answering the phone like what things did you have to put in place to shift your business so quickly so something that we had never really thought about was um well the delivery for a start but we used a, um an app called bobble um yep. that took a little bit of setting up but that was um really new for all of us and different yep. for all of us because um, technology-wise, we relied on a couple of our younger staff to go radio. This is what we're going to do now. Um, there was quite a few examples of that, like thinking outside the square, what are we going to do? Um, and that was good. And it was good for everyone to learn, you know, online ordering, which <laughs> the young ones do, but, you know, the older staff, they're like, you know, more traditional, probably a little bit. I, I am a bit of an online shopper, but. <laughs> but I think too, in a town like a Chukamama, where we don't have, you know, um, your Uber Eats and, you know, we're not used to kind of ordering food online. So it's not as if it's like, we just go, oh, we'll just do it online because, and I'm sure a lot of businesses did it differently. There wasn't kind of one, one sort of, you know, ideal, ideal app, but I know that a few did use um, the Bobble app. And did that work well for you? Yes, it did. It, it was good. I think maybe gave us a little bit more exposure um, where maybe people hadn't even maybe eaten at the border in before. Right. Um, yeah, so so that was quite good. There, there has been a couple of positive things that have come out of it. Staff-wise, um, 
working as a team and all putting our thinking caps on, we probably had more meetings than we've ever had before. Yeah, yeah. Try and continue that. And the only reason that happens is because life's routine and it's busy and we're always short-staffed and there's not enough time to sit around and think about different things that we can do. And also listening more to your staff. Um, Not that you don't deliberately not listen, but maybe they don't get the opportunity or you forget to say, has anyone got anything? Just anything. And when you get desperate, Mm. um, you can put anything on the table and and give it a thought. But when you're really busy, you're like, oh, yeah, that's a good idea, but, you know, maybe later. And you just keep doing, yeah, the same thing. What would you say, Jules, the biggest challenge has been um, for you or you know, or are, are there a list of challenges? Obviously, you know, it's apart, apart from financial worries. Um, and when I say that, it's probably the uncertainty of mm. not knowing. For us, at, at the start, I would say to eighty, you know, we have worked really hard our whole lives in hospitality tourism. That's what you do. You don't get to do all the things that other people get to do. We've never been away at Easter. We've never been away at Christmas time. You know, you grab a week here or a week there. And everyone was saying it was such a leveler. Oh, isn't this great? COVID's going to level everyone out. And I'm like, no, that is not fair <laughs> because I have worked hard my whole life and now I'm level with my daughter. <laughs> That's not fair. Um, but that was the uncertainty of it, like just not not knowing whether we could be closed down for 12 months. And um, for us, established business 30 years, maybe that would have been doable um, just to shut everything down. Um, But for a lot of people, um, not even an option, like that would be just it. Of course, you shut everything down, I suppose your overheads are gone, so you don't have to worry about your electricity. Mm. So that was one side of it. That was just anxiety and anxiousness of that you've worked your whole life maybe for nothing. But mm. after that two months and, you know, we think, okay, things are going to be okay if we can get through this time. Immediately it was the staff, like I said, when, when you've got a small business, you are more personal with your staff. Like in big, big companies, you know, you don't get to know everyone's issues and problems. But most people that have small businesses are close to their staff. They know their problems and know their worries. So it's really stressful to think where are these families going to get their money from if they can't go to JobSeeker, they can't go to the government, what do they do? So they can't fly home to Italy to the UK, to Sri Lanka, because at the time things were disastrous there. Mm. They have no income, a couple of them with children, um, Mm. and there's no money coming from anywhere. That really stressed me out. Yeah, I bet. Once, you know, it was bad enough having to tell people, you know, I'm sorry, you're not going to get the job keeper. You don't have a job anymore. Go home and live with mum and dad. You know, that, that was a little bit stressful, but not. it was more the families that yeah. I'm thinking what is going to happen. And, of course, in the back of your mind, you've got this, what about me too? Like, yeah. what are we going to do? So the job keeper, the 
maintaining our staff um, was probably the main concern for me through the whole yep. thing, apart from, you know, personal issues going on in our own families. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, like, you know, nieces, nephews out of work, you know, my brothers and sisters worrying about their families, us worrying about my mum and dad, all those things, yeah. It was yeah. pretty horrid time. But... And anxiety particularly, you know, and just that worry. But I, now that we're sort of, well, not, well, we're not through, but we are certainly, things are different now, um, particularly for, um, you know, Murray River Council-based businesses, like things have been a bit more open in New South Wales for a couple of months now. Um, is there a couple of things that you can kind of pinpoint, Jules, that's, that's really helped you and your business through? Like if you had to kind of name a couple of things, even if it was just, you know, non kind of logistical things in the business that kind of, yeah, helped you through? Yeah, so I suppose one of the things I've reflected on is we're members of the Australian Hotelers Association. It's very yep. expensive to be a member of that association. And I suppose for 30 years now we've been going, oh, they don't really, you know, we don't really use them, you know, what are they mm. for? Why do we pay all this money or you have to be a member? Um, this experience, being a member of association and the guidance that we've yeah. received from them with the COVID safety plans, with all the things that we've had to implement without that association, it would have been really difficult and you know, I would have um, rung them maybe once a week for the last yep. six months. Not sure about laws, rules, regulations, asking them to help us with the border closure situation, complaining a lot um, <laughs> about all the things that are unfair. Um, and they've represented us um, and they've been really good. So maybe the resources that... You've, you don't use that you should use more often, yep. but once yep. again, COVID lesson, they're there, use them. No different to a Chukamama Tourist Association, which is another yep. really good example. I've probably never really called the, the, um, the Murray River Council before and asked them anything. or um, So I've gotten to know a little bit more or, or learned that this is what they're for, so use them. Yep. Uh, Chukamama Tourism have been terrific. Like at the moment, I think they're really trying to help um, the New South Wales accommodation, which is in a little bit of trouble at the moment. Yeah. Because of course we've got no tourists on this side of the, the river and it's been, what, it's been six months now they've been empty. So yeah. that's a little bit of a worry, but um, Chukamama um, Tourism have been really helpful with that. C4EM. Yep. Um, I did notice early days when we were using Australian Hotelers Association that C4EM were putting a lot of stuff up on yep. their site for the small businesses that maybe aren't connected to an association. Yeah. So how do I know what the grants are, what they're entitled to, what they should apply for? I noticed they're really helpful with advice for the job keeper and community for a Chukamam. Like it's important. That's what they're there for to help our community. So and, and whereabouts, Jules, can I just ask whereabouts you were getting this information? Was it mainly sort of email or social media, like all, all these things that you noticed? Um, where were you finding that information mostly? Well, I noticed it on Facebook, but AHA yep. will send out stuff. Yes. And so yep. with mostly social media, emails, 
Um, but there was quite a few people that I've run into that I've said, you know, did, did you apply for this grant? Did you apply for that grant? And they hadn't, or they didn't think that they w- would be eligible for it, so they hadn't applied for it. Yeah. And I quite a few times stay on C4AM um, because they're pretty well much were over the top of everything. Yeah. And if they could ask them a question. But so those really small businesses, um, I, I think that that was a um, that was good initiative from C4AM to keep the, all that stuff updated. Yep. And now, as you said, on, on with a bit of reflection on, you know, from sort of now back to March, number one lesson learned or a couple of lessons learned, Jules, is there anything that you, you know, if we had to do it again, <laughs> God forbid. <laughs> yes. And I, I think business-wise and personally, because um, like Alex, my daughter, it, it was a good thing too, because she is a saver and it's not that her job was affected by it because she's a, a school teacher. So she still had income. But for businesses, I think you have to save for that rainy day. I mean, I never would have thought in a million years, and I've said it before over the years, that hospitality tourism, I thought was one of those industries that was really bulletproof because mm. everyone everyone wants to go out and everyone wants to go on a holiday. Mm. And I seriously thought that we were pretty much bulletproof, especially here in such a great tourist area. Mm. So... I think we've learned that no business is bulletproof. You just never know. Mm. So you have to have a little bit put away. Yep. Same on a personal level. Anyone, you know, you just cannot live from week to week because you just don't know what's going to happen. No. So that's probably um, one of those things. And the other thing is probably to, and we've learned this, support your local community. Yeah. Because without our local support, so take the tourists away, um, who are we all left with? And that is our local Achukamoama community. So it doesn't matter whether it's, you know, whatever cause it's for, charity, sponsorship, or um, just your local community, shop local, look after each other. I think that's been and I'm I'm really happy with the Chukamoama the way that we've still remained as like one town. It's been hard. (laughs) Yes, yes, but we have and and there's been no, you know, all um, you know, they shouldn't be over here or they, you know, why are they allowed over here? Um I think we've all been frustrated for each other with the border closure, the weights on the bridge. I'm frustrated for Echuca businesses. I feel really sorry for them that they're still not operating as they should be considering there's no COVID. I think that's mm. really frustrating. I'm frustrating with, frustrated with our, our premiers, both of them, yes. mm. um, feeling isolated. I think our towns, hopefully, maybe this will put us on the map as that border town that complained yes. a lot. <laughs> that squeaky <laughs> wheel. We are now. <laughs> and I think too, I just wanted to touch on to that community support. And I imagine, you know, 30 years of um, the border in supporting community, whether it be sport or fundraising or individuals or families, I'm sure you've felt that come back to you in, in some way during this yeah. time. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, I think sometimes, and you've heard it over the years that 
um, a lot of people complain about the tourists and how, how many tourists there are. Um, and I understand that that can be really frustrating sometimes. But I do think over this time now when we've found out that we need the tourists, which is why we have beautiful facilities, a picture theatre, a heated pool, all the things that those tourists bring us, I think maybe there's going to be that nice balance there of yep. um, understanding that we can still be a local town um, and enjoy the money that the tourists bring into our community as well. Yeah, I agree. Well said. Just a final question, Jules, before I let you go. Is there anything that you will sort of um, retain from this COVID experience to sort of, I suppose, future-proof, I mean, or bulletproof? As you said, nothing is bulletproof. It's one thing you've learnt. But is there anything that you will keep in place or, or that you will um, reach to, you know, in the future that, um, that, you, that has helped, helped you through? Um, I said at the start of the COVID that I would never complain about anything again. I would never complain about my phone dinging because someone can't work. I would never complain about not being able to go away on a busy weekend. Um, I think, and I hope, and everyone can remind me, um, I think that we're going to be more resilient um, as a business moving forward. I think that probably everyone, we won't complain about ever being too busy again. <laughs> I, do, I do think that it has been a nice little reset for everyone. Um, I think noticed out in the park, even out here, a lot of people riding their bikes, a lot more family time. Yep. So you have to look at the, you have to kind of pick out those good things and, you know, take from the, take from that and go, well, yeah, I don't know. Does that make yeah, sense? <laughs> it does totally. And I think a lot of people would say that, you know, despite the challenges, I think that it has been a bit of a recalibration of sorts. I think whether it be for your business or for your personal life, um, even schooling, the, the way our kids have, have learned, you know, there's there's been lots of lessons learned. And um, I think that it sounds very cliche, but it's true. Yeah, so, a um, couple of funny things of the people with um, the customers that come in and, and the staff and Think they have a greater appreciation for their teachers now. Someone yes. made a little, but, um, yeah, they found out that um, maybe um, maybe their kids weren't as clever. Or <laughs> <laughs> there's been yeah. funny things happen. Anyway. Yeah, I agree, and I think you know, I really thank you for um, joining us today and just sort of documenting this time in history because. I know my mum was one through the whole period saying, I hope the kids are keeping a journal and writing things down. And, you know, the teenagers are rolling their eyes going, well, we're probably not. But, you know, like, it's really important to document this time in history because we are living history, you know, as painful as it has been and, and still will be for, for many people. So thank you, um, Jules, for, for joining us today and, you know, sharing your small business experience. Thank you to Zoe, who, who joined us earlier as well. And to the Murray River Council for the opportunity to chat with so many inspiring small businesses um, for the New South Wales Government Small Business Festival. Just remember that if you want to follow more conversations this month, particularly um, stay in touch with us on social media, leave some comments and any ideas or feedback or, you know, if you, if you have similar sort of story to Jules, we'd love to hear that as well. Um, and you can catch all the conversations this month. So um, thanks again for joining us on Spreading the Good Stuff and we'll chat to you soon. Bye for now. 
You've been listening to Spreading the Good Stuff, the podcast. Remember, you can subscribe over at iTunes. We'd love you to leave us a rating. And you can also follow us on Facebook and Instagram at the handle Spreading the Good Stuff. You can find all our show notes and previous episodes at our website, thesplendidword.com.au. Thanks for listening.